Welcome to another edition of Drinking About the Markets. Uh, I'm joined here today with Giovanni Fume. This is your co-host, Colin. We are going to talk about uh, a couple of things today. Um, Really interesting stuff happened in the market. Uh, I think we'll lead off with uh, stocks had a really rough week. Yes. They had a really bad week. Uh, If you were in really aggressive beta stocks, you got fucking hammered this week. So I have to pause. Oh, we're pausing already. Yes. What is an aggressive beta stock? So an aggressive beta is uh, anything close to one or above one, which means as the market moves, it moves in covariance with it. So if the market moves 1% and it's a beta of one, it moves 1%. If it's a beta of one point in the same direction, up or exactly, down. Exactly, exactly. If the mar- if the beta is one point two, then it moves in one point two percent. So if it moves down one percent, it moves down one point two percent, and then the reverse, right? So the market's been scorching hot uh, the last couple of months uh, as easy money has flown through. The Fed has been really aggressive buying assets and basically propping up the equity market, right? So what you saw this week and well, we have a bunch of other topics too. I think we we got sidetracked there of trying to talk about the other ones as an intro, but let's just jump right into this one because this is really interesting. Um, what happened this week uh, for people who are not familiar with kind of the, the dynamics of of the existing environment is that when the 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 economy cratered out in March, uh, in the sense that stocks were widely sold off. Uh, the pandemic was a very real and terrifying prospect. And I will just say for people who yeah. are like re- unfamiliar with the market, like fear is one of the things that will make yeah. the market tank very Protection, quickly. price protection of what you've already made is the biggest – One thing. of the big drivers. Yeah, one of the big drivers of people selling. So market was great up until that point. People saw the, the imminent threat of the, the virus coming in March sold off. Uh, at an incredible rate. If you look at some of the lows, if you bought that dip, you're laughing. Um, so basically to prop up the market, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, um, a, a basically an independent body of, of the U.S. government, one that doesn't take direction. It's still privately owned, right? No, it's, 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 it, it's a government entity. Okay, but, but I thought it was managed by banks. No, 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 okay. no. No, no, they answer, banks answer to them. Okay. So complete opposite. Okay. Wow, that would be weird if the banks owned them. I thought the Federal Reserve was like somehow privately managed. No, no, it's okay. it's it's a uh, it's, it's a wholly public utility. Like, oh yeah, it's agency. government. It's government run. The administration, whichever it may be, elects people to the a board of governors, and then they elect a. And right now it's Jeremy Powell, right? Jerome. 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 <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Piven. <laughs> Um, so, so what they did, uh, as the economy began to sink, sink very, you know, deeper and deeper into a, a real cataclysmic scenario where, uh, banks were going to stop lending. People couldn't raise, you know, short term, uh, short term borrowing for whatever it may be. That's too far in the weeds we could possibly go. But what the fed did, which was a mirror of what they did in 2008, 2000, uh, 2009 is they went and they did something called quantitative easing, right? So they bought the common, the, the lowest common denominator in the market, uh, and they expanded a little outside of that purview for this go around because I think they were a little more ambitious and they felt like they could do a little more based on the last uh, the last time where they bought 
a lot of treasuries, so U.S. issued debt, and they bought a lot of AAA credits. So basically, the government is buying its own yes. debt tools. The government is the government today is the largest owner of its own debt. Yeah, because a it's a way. And, of, and is it usually like that, or is that just a, a post two thousand and eight new normal? No, I would say that's pretty common. Um, because it's widely seen as a way to, as we'll discuss, uh, kind of manipulate the the, the demand. The right? market upwards, right? Because well, yeah. if you limit supply on these, their value goes up and Well well really what it does is it just allows it allows borrowing rates to be super low and, and you know, as we kinda had just structured the conversation, I think this is really important where if the Fed buys treasuries, right? It's a domino effect for every single other interest rate for companies, for mortgages, for credit cards, yeah. every other thing. And right? I think this is like a really important moment to just stop. And we, in preparing for this podcast, talked a lot about this particular <laughs> element. Yeah, right. Because why that is, is super complicated. And I think not really worth getting into no, 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 because no. it's what, too complicated. It's a bit academic. Yeah, but it is worth understanding that almost every financial tool has a certain amount of its yeah. value that's predicated on bond on treasury bonds. Yeah, yeah. And this is and this is I think in some it's all predicated on risk, right? Your risk is the lowest when it comes from the the US government. Yeah. So everything after that is riskier. So therefore, you need to be compensated for that risk. Yeah. Right. So if yeah, the- and one thing you should understand is the way uh, financial tools, their price always is a factor of their riskiness. Right. The riskier they are, the more expensive they're going right, to be. Right. 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 sorry, the more money they have to return to. Yes. You. Right. 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 It might not be more expensive. Yeah. It might yeah. actually be cheaper. Right. Right. But right. it has to, it because has to it compensate. has to have a larger return. That's right. That's right. So with that said, debt is always safer than equities. So this week, and that is because. Debt holders get paid out before, before equity, equity holders. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a really you know important concept to understand why the market tanked this week because as people perceived a healthier economy, which might have been lost in the shuffle of how we were trying to get here, yeah. there was great economic data this week. Jobless claims had fallen. People that were on um, unemployment. unemployment claims had fallen. And people – in the market, you know, large decision makers at uh, these big time ETFs or ETFs, uh, mutual which are funds, giant stuff. Yeah. like they're stock bundles. Essentially. Yeah, ex- yeah, they, like at, at Vanguard, like financial right, tool bundles. Right, 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 right. They they come in and they buy in mass. Yeah. It's like they basically look at the market like it's Costco and they just go, "I'll have bundles and bundles yeah. of X, <laughs> Y, and Z," and their purchasing can greatly affect the the movements of other things. So. What happened was with that economic data, people thought that the Fed would reverse course and go ahead and A, increase interest rates on interbanking loans, which is something we won't discuss because that's not necessarily, I think, the major factor. But B, it was that they'll likely stop buying assets the way that they have been yeah. since the recession started. And, and, and the key element here is to understand the correlation between 
how well the government perceives the market to be doing and how much money it's going to be spending. Right. As it thinks the market is getting healthier, it's going to spend less. Yes. Yeah. And that's like the Which key. Which is natural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Because spending more into treasuries is a protective measure. Right. So therefore, if there's less concern and less need for right. protection right, right, right. because the market is healthier, they'll pull back that. And I think one thing to that I was thinking about when we were having this discussion yesterday is like, this dip, how much of it was a factor of assumed rollback of spending versus actual uh, rollback of spending on treasuries that's actually going to no, happen? No, it's, it's, it's anticipation. Okay. It's completely anticipation because, you know, the Fed came out this week and said, we're not going to do that. We're there. Like the Fed has changed its course quite a bit in terms of messaging. They're very, very uh, forward about what they'll do. And that's really important in my mind uh, from how it used to be. It used to be before the, the 08 crash, they were very uh, close to the chest. They, they wouldn't discuss uh, policy with the markets. But now they're, they're very forward. And, and, and just on that, do you think – like for what it's worth, I don't know when you talk about the, the markets, whether there's one real option that is more morally salient than another. But is it better that they're more open or – Right, because it ends up like it's it's a form of market manipulation. It is completely. when they're more forward. Right, right, right. It sets expectations, and that's going to have knock-on effects on the rest of the market. So, do you think it's better a Fed? Well, that it is- I, I think it's become desensitized. I think they came out this week and they said that, and people were like, "Whatever." Yeah, you know, based on how much stock sold off. So. I think it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. The messaging. No, doesn't no. Matter. Well, it, it it does matter to. To a certain extent. To a certain extent. Like, there's transparency. That's great. But do pe- what, how do people value that transparency? They're probably making their own assumptions now yeah. because – They're just saying there's a cor- there's a likely like, correlation yeah. between the market doing better and the, the, the right. Fed spending back. Right, no matter, right, right. Regardless of what they're right, saying, right, 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 that right. correlation historically exists. And, and I think me personally, I think given the fact that um, – the Biden administration is really keen on spending more money to juice the economy. I think it's probably true yeah. that that the Fed that the Fed won't stop buying assets at the that, at the rate that they're doing. Yeah. Right. And and there were there there was obviously a moment in time when the the, the Fed did that the last go around where it was it's infamously referred to as a taper tantrum where the Fed tapered their asset buying program, stock market crashed that day. So I think there's also like this this insight into what they've done before. Like people that are academics, they usually move into the Fed, right? It's except for Jerome Powell, who's actually a banker. What's up? <laughs> and and I think they're really interested in understanding what went wrong before and adjusting their actions based off of that. Um, what was really interesting, just to digress a little bit, the the person that was responsible for this whole concept of buying assets in the darkest days of a recession was a man who studied the, the Great Depression in great excess, uh, Ben Bernanke, who ended up being a Goldman Sachs banker as well. But he was so well aware of what it took to prevent banks from failing, to prop up people's perceived net worth, right? Because a lot of people invest in the market. So 
this is a like a modern revolution in this in the sense and the, i think the market is very the, the, the unsure the revolution you're talking about is the quantitative easing. yeah exactly is that the practice right. of dumping money into yeah, security right without 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 crazy inflation yeah. because when you think about it all they're doing right, which is taking is like, our money putting it back into our money right and, and that's the flip side of this too is what i think when we were having one of the preparatory conversations is like not only do financial tools key off uh, treasury bonds, but also if you hold a big portfolio of financial tools and you hear something like the Biden administration is going to send $1,400 to every American, that means a ton of more money is going to f- flood in. And the more, the higher the volume of money, the less that money is worth. It's always just supply and demand. So there's also some fear of inflation. Yeah, right. So a stock that's worth $1,000 now as much as currency potentially inflates, it might be worth nine hundred dollars in, in like, real in hard real terms. terms. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's even more. It's even more dire for people that own bonds or treasury yeah. or treasury uh, inve- or treasury notes or bonds because their yield doesn't cover the inflation rate. Yeah, there's no adjustment for inflation yeah. uh, unless you're in a specific investment, which means your investment today is not going to be worth as much as. Yeah, the, the, and the I issuance, think, and this is this is where we struggle trying to figure out how yeah. to convey this. And I think it's 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 too complicated. But the 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 best way I would say to to put this is if you bought a car today and it had you know or, sorry if you bought a car twenty years ago and it was a hot BMW, it was fifty thousand dollars, right? And it was the the top of the line at the time. You know, not necessarily worth as much as it is today. I would say treasuries are are that same concept. They're worth what they I, were issued at, right? They're 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 now now you can get in. You obviously that analogy doesn't work a hundred percent of the time because you could have a BMW that's from the sixties yeah. and it's worth way more. But there's a cutoff for for cars and stuff like that. But but what I'm trying to say is that treasuries are that notion where what you bought in the past. Is not as as is not worth as much as you as it is in today in yeah. today's terms. And you're right? worried that if you're holding on to bonds and more valuable bonds are about to mm-hmm. be issued, that no one's going to buy your bonds. And you're taking, so you're trying you're, to liquidate yeah. them. And, and and you bought those at a premium. Yeah. Because the Fed was buying stuff so that yeah, so the they demand were, was artificial, they were shrinking supply. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you're fearful. Yeah. Right. You're fearful, and now you've created a system where. The Fed will stop buying assets potentially, causing bond yields to increase because bond yields increase as prices go down. Prices go down as demand goes down. The demand of the Fed goes down, so yields go up. Your investment now is worth less foreseeably, so you want to sell it as well to try to lock in whatever gains you might have had. And as those those yields go up, then that risk reward comes about where we were talking about how bonds are safer than equities. So people are like, well, if we could get compensated the same amount for bonds, let's just plow into bonds. Yeah. So that's why you saw the sell-off this week because it was just a domino effect of everything falling over one another. And people were like, well, we made a shit ton of money in the equity market. Let's get some of that. Let's let's just lock, let's just yeah. lock it in. Yeah. You know, we're laughing. We made so much money this year based on May easy as well money. May protect those yeah. gains. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, does this have, I think, 
sort of to to wrap up, right? Because I think there's what's happened and then what this potentially means. Is this, you know, something that people should be concerned with? Do you see it as being a temporary effect and something that we recover? It's like how meaningful is this moment in time and, and, and how dangerous is it? If you are an equity holder or if, yeah. if you have a mutual fund or a 401k, right? Like if yeah, you're in the markets in some of course. form, do you want to like pivot your portfolio, yeah. right? Listen, I think the Fed is very is very forthcoming about what they're going to do. So I don't really think that um, I don't really think that there is a is any real possibility they stop buying uh buying assets the way that they have been in that volume. I just don't think it's it's really feasible at the moment. They'd be way more forthcoming. I just don't think they're in the habit of lying at this point and they're not going to they're not going to do something that isn't well messaged because they didn't in 2015 and there was an enormous drop in the market, a one day like a cataclysmic black swan event, right? So, I just think people are trying to outsmart the Fed, which is like that's never worked because they literally hold the keys to to the 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 US economy like yeah. their their actions are so pivotal right so i don't really understand exactly why first of all i can't understand from the sense that it's momentum people are irrational sometimes and they see other people yeah, selling so they exactly. get afraid and they don't want to be right, the last right, right. person to sell right. because they don't want to be left there could, have, the bat. there could have been a huge there could have been a huge recent inflow that i'm not aware of into the market based on the gamestop stuff like a ton of retail investors might have bought in and maybe they put in money at these really rich valuations recently and they were like oh i don't want to be the next store on the wall street journal some guy who took out a personal loan to buy stock and now i'm underwater so maybe they just pulled back you yeah. know like Long term, sorry, near term in the next week, I I could see stocks rebounding, right? Yeah. Because there's truly no. There's not reason. a real reason. No, to be scared. no, there really isn't. And um, you know what 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 could help quite a bit is the stimulus coming in. There being no inflationary uh, difficulties from it. And people being able to spend in the economy doing really well. So, like, if you're if you have conviction about, you know, a successful stimulus package and what that will do, could you read it both sides of the coin where this stimulus package might have consequences on inflation? Sure, you could you could definitely argue that, or you could say putting money in people's pockets, putting money in states' pockets, employ people, cause people to shop more, like. Whatever have you, right? It, it's up. It's up to the. It's up to the person yeah. assessing the information. And I will say too, like from the six hundred dollars that we got recently, there was a big effect on savings, right? And savings right. take different forms, but a certain amount of savings is going to go back into the market. Sure. So there's going to be a huge. Uh, Discretionary spending yeah. should be really big after, like, when it's all said and done. And sort of, I think you know, before we move on to the next topic, which is the AMC debt, uh, you know, the the debt they've, oh, sorry, the equity they've been able to raise, a um, lifeline. Yes. Uh, one last thing is like, how does the Fed uh, stave off? inflationary effects like how does it like on how, the flip side yeah how does it like right if you have a bunch yeah, of money yeah. dumping into the market yeah. what what can the fed do to protect so so when inflation might get out of control which means 
people overspending, they have access to really easy money. They'll raise their base rate, which is the Fed funds rate. Which is what people are afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, they're afraid that they might do that because of inflation. But yeah. right now, I would say they're more afraid that they'll stop buying assets. But so inflation is less of a concern for this particular in the dip? immediate. I would say so. Yeah. If 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 like they would be way more vocal about inflation concerns than they are right now. Like again, they're an open book, right? How can you misread an open book? Yeah. I find that really difficult to do, right? Um, if they're if they're messaging, like they're altruistic. They don't have any motives aside from being honest. Yeah. So if they're not saying they're going to raise interest rates, they're not going to raise interest rates. Yeah. So like I think people are trying to be a little too smart and cute about everything that's going on. But getting back to this, this the topic you just raised, if there was inflation, they would do something where they raise rates that they have control over, which is an interest rate. It's going to be a little, a little in the weeds here. <laughs> An interest rate that they charge banks for borrowing money from them overnight. And that would devalue most other equity. Like the market would dip at that point if interest rates went up because well, there'd be less. Out they of would fear have, it's, because it's, there's no, no, less. No, 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 no. It's just it's – just it's just a – again, it's a cascading yeah. effect. If the bank's interest rate goes up – then the interest rate on their mortgages go up. Yeah. People will stop buying less homes. There's going to be less money yeah. circulating. There you go. That's exactly how yeah. inflation goes down. Yeah. Because if interest rates goes up, people will stop borrowing as much in theory, right? There's a, there's a threshold that needs to be reached. Mm. And there's always discovery up into that point, right? Um, the U.S. has struggled, I would say, with hitting its inflation target of 2%. So I would never say that inflation is an issue like it was back in the 70s uh, when Carter was president. And that was way more a function of like oil being extremely overpriced because there were like tensions with Iran and shit like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we we, are, we have manifest destiny on, on our oil supply. So like we're, we have complete sovereignty over yeah. that. Um, inflation now I think is just the way that people I think – view inflation these old timers out there you know like that doesn't exist yeah, they don't, that doesn't really like the notion of that yeah doesn't really exist because we're self-sustaining to a large extent of what our cpi would be based on cpi is a, a measure of inflation it's a basket of goods and it's like year over year how much does the baseline price of that basket go up i think we're in we're we're in such a position now where we're not really dependent on anyone else for for our, our our commodities, and even if we were, like maybe we are on China for like some really simple things. Maybe not. Maybe maybe we're a little over over dependent on steel. But they're a zero sum game, so they're always going to supply to us at an extremely low price. Because if they didn't, we just fucking make it here, you know. So let's take a quick Negroni break. Yeah, yeah. And when yeah, we come I'm back, down. we'll talk about AMC. Yeah, through the bridge. All right. So we're back um, for our second topic, which is going to be the fact that AMC was able to raise some pretty healthy capital off the fact that its stock is way up after sort of the whole Reddit pump situation. So I think, you know, there's two main things that sort of need to be discussed here, which are um, the, the tool that we can get into, which is the fact that if your stock goes way up, 
you can, you know, dump equity. And the other is, um, you know, just more generally, what does this mean for AMC? And also, like, is it good for AMC? Is it also is it good for investors? You know what I mean? Like, what does it mean when these stocks go way up driven by retail investors? Like, are you just going to be left holding a bag where you're going to lose? Yeah, yeah, sure. So let's just let's just kind of discuss how the stock price being really fucking high allowed AMC to go ahead and raise a ton of money that basically bailed them out. Um, thank you, Reddit. You saved all the movie theaters <laughs> on the East Coast. I don't know where else AMC is, but we got a ton in New York. So basically what happens is a company incorporates itself, right? Signs a bunch of fucking documents. It makes itself an entity. And by doing so, it issues a bunch of shares, right? So like in your articles of incorporation, you have a million shares. You raise money, you raise money, you raise money. All of a sudden, your shares outstanding become 100 million shares, 500 million shares outstanding, right? And over time... Shares outstanding means shares that your bylaws... Yeah, that, Your company's yeah, bylaws allows you to, to issue to, to the market. To, yeah, to sell to investors, to sell to employees, whatever have you, right? So... And these are like set volumes in, yeah, in the bylaws of the company. It's really – they're like – They're predefined. They're predefined. If you want to increase the amount, you have to get board of – well, you have to get your investor's approval if you're, if you're private because it will dilute them. Or if you're public, you need to get your board of directors to approve it because uh, it's also dilutive. So like there are checks and balances, mm-hmm. right, as to exactly – how many shares you can issue, what's the ceiling, and if you want to raise that ceiling, what are the mechanisms to do that? But what happened for AMC is that over time, they had bought shares back, right? So they were public, and then as they had underperformed and shareholders, public shareholders were basically like, you're underperforming, you need to compensate us, like we've invested in this company, blah, blah, blah. They bought back shares, right? And that was the ultimate way of compensating people who were long-term investors and who were probably people coming after them in terms of trying to shake up the board, trying to make them cut costs, blah, blah, blah. So AMC owned a ton of shares when the pandemic hit, right, Uh, of their own stock, which is called treasury stock. So what was really important recently when their share price went bonkers, absolutely bonkers, no reason, rhyme or reason except for uh, Reddit and the enthusiasm behind (laughs) uh, saving a brand that people maybe got their first. It was like the GameStop 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I don't really follow Wall Street bets, so I'm not sure exactly how these things play out, but... I'm sure there was a couple threads or forums about like save AMC, blah, 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 right? Which was another stock that was getting hammered by short sellers. Just for a quick tangent, I remember when we were looking at these Reddit threads and one of the other ones was Blackberries. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Some of the stocks that you're suggesting. Just just (laughs) lobbing member berries at at stocks. People yellowing on Blackberry. Just being like, oh wow, these are such fond memories. (laughs) Like GameStop, AMC, Blackberry jokes. Um, (laughs) Next one's Build a Bear. (laughs) But um, so, so what happened was is the fact that AMC owned all of this stock that they had originally issued but bought back because investors were like, you suck, buy back our shares, 
or we'll replace all of your board members. So the board member is like, no, don't do that. Like, we're going to buy back your shares. Don't worry. Um, because board members in America actually are laughing 24-7. Like, all they do is – this is my perspective. They probably do more than this. But my perspective for public companies, they meet up. They determine XYZ committee, audit committee – uh, compensation committee, like ESG committee, all sorts of like kind of not inconsequential things. Like these are important things and like, you know, it's it's more or less a, um, a, a, a way for them to tell the market if they're conscientious about con- like current, you know, topics and all that stuff. But they don't want to get removed as board of directors because – they get paid a lot of money to do this. Do they so, actually? So it's a it's like a employee type situation. It depends on the company. It could be. It's usually performance of the shares, right? They're compensated with shares in the company, and if but the then, shares so go up or down. So they're stockholders, basically. And yeah. It's like trying to align their interest with the rest of the yeah. stockholders. Yeah. Right. Right. Because so like money, if right, the stock goes exactly, up. Exactly. Exactly. So the best way to do that is if the company's ass right for lack of a better phrase <laughs> they're gonna just buy shares outstanding because that reduces they, the supply yeah. so supply goes down you know the price of it will just naturally increase um and that happened for amc right yeah. because movie theaters haven't been doing great you have streaming and services then and, and then pandemics happen right so, so i guess the double whammy yeah, of they're all like time. they're like oh fudge we're totally fudged here at least they had the marvel movies to go off of before before yeah. yeah 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 um so with that context in mind amc owned a shit ton of their own stock right because they had to do these market functions to prop up their stock to compensate their their share their lord shareholders their board of directors their average joe sure they really care about those people why not <laughs> um but when the reddit thing happened which is a black swan event mm-hmm. we talked about this last week like these things don't happen and when they happen you have to be ready if you're a company like amc yeah. right and they were ready and what they basically had done is that they had said, okay, to an investment bank, we bought all these shares. We have this many shares. We can reallocate into the market when the time is right. It's called at-the-money uh, issuance. So it's an ATM program. They they do all the paperwork with is the banks ATM before. Like, uh is supposed to be like a joke on it being like a money ATM. I don't know. It, it's really clever though. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you're, you're, it's you're basically, basically right money. on the spot. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's, it's clever. right on the money. As yeah. It's- yeah. It's really, it's really immediate. Like they needed it just as an ATM would give you immediate cash. Like they needed immediate cash. So they had the option as the stock went crazy bonkers to issue their stock and to raise money that they would have not been able to raise otherwise, right? So they bought those shares at X and they sold for X plus Y. So they made Y. And by making Y, they were basically able to stave off bankruptcy because they were tapped out on their debt. They were tapped out on selling assets. They were tapped out on every other front. And you and me and probably anyone listening to us on stereo are not going to the movie theaters anytime soon (laughs) and they are fudged for the foreseeable future. But them being able to do this allowed them to survive basically as things get better. You know, I don't really know. I haven't read the equity research, but 
I'm sure them being able to raise the money that they raised from what I've read was really, really important to their survival. And this is one of the like philosophical conversations we had because just for some context, me and Colin, well, we hang out a lot. Yeah, so sure. we were upstate New York and we were driving back uh, right after the GameStop stuff happened. And one of the philosophical discussions we were having was with regards to whether shorting is uh, morally good or bad or whether it has <laughs> let's call Wanda. it let's call it potentially more like morally bad implications, right? Is it a bad thing inherently? And one of the discussions we were having is it could potentially force these companies to not be able to raise capital at pivotal moments. Yeah. Because if you short the stock, right, someone like Melvin Capital, which is what was shorting GameStop. I think and AMC, I think that's why AMC might have also had a touch of probably hysteria probably. involved. And one of the things is like it limits a company's ability to raise capital. Yeah. And so like, like AMC did. Yeah, exactly. And, sur- and, and by virtue and, of doing that, survive. And if you're like a respectable hedge fund and you have what's considered high-grade analysts and your behavior is followed by the rest of the market, when people see that you're shorting that stock, it might influence lazier investors to – to sell that stock. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's a function of laziness. I think they do their homework. And we talked about this last right, week. Right, right. We, yeah. We, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. I think AMC stock is a bad. I look, I'm not a I don't invest in the market. Like when so. was the last time you went to AMC? Just literally years ago. My grandfather made this great point to me. He was like, "Don't invest in stocks that you don't feel you, like you, you don't use. Well, either use benefit from uh, ultimately have some sort of like thing that you use it from like he was obviously more old school right he was like a goldman sachs banker in the 70s and 80s so like there were more physical products back then but i think it's really relatable to nowadays like if you're using something as a software yeah does the software that you're using require something below it to exist amazon like google like all these things those are utilities at this yeah. point, right? Um, even Uber in my mind, like I don't think Uber is valued highly enough because it's so ingrained in like the co- – not the common person but like a large portion of the – People's behavior. Yeah, matters. they're like – Like oh, I took an Uber, Uber to come yeah, here. exactly, tonight. man. Like there are certain things I don't think are highly credited enough for being – as I would say, common vernacular in people's behavior these days, yeah. right? And when you look at the stocks that were performing really bad that people invested in, they're not in the common vernacular of people's behavior. AMC, people are streaming more and more and more yeah. stuff, right? So where where in the in the conscious objector, conscientious objector, say, oh yeah. I'm going to go to the movie theater 400 times more than I used to. Like, no, you're fucking not, yeah. you know? And so I think that's sort of the key of this discussion, right? Because a lot of what was inherent to the Reddit discussions, and I think what sort of spiked the interest in it was the moral the, – they felt like Wall Street was getting won over over these companies, especially companies that they had grown an emotional bond with in right, their youth. Right, 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 right. And was was pr- like pressuring down their stock price by squeeze by uh, sorry by shorting it, and so I think like this is a and it leads me I think into one of the initial questions I had is like you know 
it, this is strikes me as something that is going to leave a lot of people like it's great for AMC. Yeah, it's terrible they say, for they the might US. Have, yeah. yeah. They might have saved themselves, but yeah, you're right. Like the guys that bought the shares at whatever stupid price they did, like they just took a bath. Yeah, and yeah. and it's and it, that's the thing, right? Is like these stocks are trading not on, and and this is sort of and we we discussed this more in detail in last week's episode. But these stocks that are getting these big bumps from the Wall Street bet threads are bad investments. Oh, terrible! And, and both in the old academic way like the way in which we learned what yes. fi- how you stock how you price stocks don't make it like, sound that old jesus <laughs> jesus but that's the old school I know, way I know, right I know, you like yeah. you rate dividends the academic like, way it's more like more earnings per share yeah. that kind of thing right like what you learn in college and i just think like it's it's a bad investment and it's great for amc i just think it's bad for everyone else and it's like and and not to i feel like this podcast might rotate around this question so much that you know we can briefly talk about it and then sort of go on to the next topic but it's like you, you know this spike should be taken as not some it shouldn't be an indication like when most stocks spike historically it's because there's a reason to buy them. Yeah, outside, of course. Outside like of like the bubbles. Yeah. Like Zoom, when the pandemic yeah. and Zoom popped yeah. off. Which makes sense. Yes, like, I use Zoom every day. Eight hours a day at work. Right. It's insane. And like I Slack just, as well. Like it popped off. Well, Microsoft bought it, but yeah. it, not Microsoft. Who bought Slack? Salesforce, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I digress. So, like, but usually there's a rhyme or reason. Yeah. It's not just because people have member berries. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, I really love this. And like, fuck Melvin Capital, you know? And, and, and then, I, and then, and then that happens. And people that are late to the party are stuck with AMC saving themselves by issuing their shares at some stupid valuation. And, and this was the funny thing because last week we talked about the, uh, the Senate hearings, and I went back and yeah. watched some. And the guy whose username is Roaring Kitty, yeah. who's the guy who drove this, yes, he, yeah, he's like, I believe in the GameStop, yeah, stock. yeah. And I just think, like, hold, hold, hold the line, yeah. This is and this is actually like not even like this is something I took from another podcast. Is like, if anyone tells you to hold the line, you're probably getting screwed, yes, yes, because stocks on which you should hold the line, it's implicit. Bro, imagine that line though. Just hold the line in in the context of every single like, we're 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 obviously not the same way we were in terms of like <laughs> engagement and in and casualties in war. But like, if you were told to hold the line in war, you're the you were done. You were done. You were the first one to go. Like Jesus Christ. That's when you start petty yeah, letters. That's where you're like, I'm. Like today on this little rock on the little round top, <laughs> I, I held the line. I, I, I'm in a trench. I perished. And, and, and the tanks are rolling yeah. over us, but I'm like, holding I'm, the line. I'm at, I'm at the psalm and I'm dead. Like yeah. it, so, so I actually think there's a virtuous cycle with the stock market. If it, if you are the last one in, you are you are screwed. Yeah, like, don't ever buy a momentum buy. You have especially to especially if you're a real investor because. A lot of the things that happen and the reason why Robinhood makes a lot of money is it it sells its momentum data to hedge funds to understand where capital is moving. So there's a lot of people that you're competing against that have a lot of information about where capital is being invested. I mean the Wall Street Journal wrote in a couple articles about hedge funds that made so much money off these trades because – 
I think they had they they had witnessed momentum before the ultimate pop, and they bought in at like five dollars, you know, and yeah. then they made like close to a billion in profit based off of where it ended up where they ended up ultimately liquidating, right? And you, if you're a retail investor, you can't see the nefarious actions yeah. of these players. And you might not even understand the patterns, right? right? Like, but but the, the problem is, is like we say these things. And, you know, people might say, well, like, oh, how am I ever going to make money, right? Well, you got to be lucky. Honestly, this is a huge gamble. And it's also you got to bet on the American economy, right? Like, that's why betting on ETFs is always safer than betting on individual stocks. Because if you bet on ETFs, you're betting on the fact that a lump sum of stocks are going to go up. And the reality is that at some point, the American economy after any dip is going to yeah, recover. For it sure. always has. We're, the realistic outcome is that it's going to. We're, we're probably the most democratic society with the most lax regulation on any, like in terms of any modern economy, right? It's us in Europe. And Europe is very far behind in terms of, well, not far behind, but different in the sense in the way they regulate they're things. They're way stricter. Yeah, they're way stricter, like. Consumer data, they probably ain't letting that get around from yeah. the hand, like as easy yeah, as, be an, hard as to an do email. A like, hood and- <laughs> yeah, hello, like here's what these people are doing. Like yeah. Europe would not be okay with that. Um, so the U.S. is like really unique in that sense. And an ETF, if you were investing in an ETF this week, you probably wouldn't have gone down. 15% like my girlfriend did, you know? <laughs> she got crushed because she was in like just a bunch of one-name yeah. stocks. And in super high beta stocks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they – like, and I think she was in a levered ETF, which yeah. means uh, the ETF uses more debt than equity to buy their positions in the weeds. But it's <laughs> – it's it makes the movements that much more significant. So when you go up, you go – way up but when you go down you go way down yeah, so yeah. she got fajoled as they say in the old country um so let's move on i think to the yeah, last topic because i think i think actually where we just ended in terms of like financial engineering and being a, a, a in tune with the way things work yeah. is really important and i think this is what we're trying to hope to get out of this podcast and was the impetus of it was like in the conversations that me and you have it's a lot of you teaching me about the technicalities of the market like because even if you spend a decent amount of time reading whether it be the wall street journal or whatever if you get into some dense paragraph about how like you know the fucking rate affects yield prices it's just like your eyes are going to glaze over and unless you have someone to explain it to you so let's move on to i think something else that's a technicality but is worth understanding and actually had some you know was of something of worth uh, worth of note is that the gme stock popped back up oh yeah big time so, this week i think for some context some people like i think if you're interested in this you'll know about the general story of the gme stock but before the Wall Street run, Wall Street bets run on GME. It was trading at 16. Then it went up to who knows, like 300. Then it went back down to 45. And then the other day, it went back that up. That is such a oh my god, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh. And then the other day, it went back up. 
to one. I think we're at like one hundred four now. Now we're at one hundred four, but I think yeah. at the height it was one forty. Oh yeah, one forty. Yeah, right, 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 right. And it started yeah. to dip. And yeah. like the last day, I think today it went down from one forty five to one hundred four in a single day of trading. Yeah, which, that's right. You know, at some point, I'm guessing the market triggers are going to pop in. But you know, just to wrap this one up, I think um, let's talk about what happened there and how calls, how like. Uh, yeah, the, how things can that. pop off because yeah. of certain financial instruments. So what a lot of people theorize, I, I haven't, you know, I think this is accessible data, but you know, what I what I have read and what make what makes sense to me is that a lot of people had bought call options, which is the right to buy a stock at a certain price, right? And what you're doing is you're basically gambling with the seller of that contract. The seller thinks that the stock won't go above that, so they're willing to sell you that the, the shares that they own at that price no matter what. And someone betting that when they buy the stock, so let's it take will this be to, way higher so than what they're take, buying it. Let's at. take this to like actual literal prices. Let's imagine something like GME had a ton of volatility, right? And these yeah. aren't the real prices. But let's say it's trading at $5, but it's had a historical record of having a ton of volatility, which mo- means it moves up and down. It seesaws a ton. So you might be – Not even not even a long history. It could yeah, be a week. A short it history. It could be right. the, the games. The, but but I, yeah. I think like one of the things that you outlined to me in the preparation of this podcast that's important to just like sort of mention here is that that might be an indication to a – more like uh, just experienced buyer or trader of stocks that there's a seesaw, there's a potential seesaw. Yeah, right, 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 right. So volatility up and down and that that volatility doesn't necessarily just end at any one point. So if it goes down to five, right, and then you could put a call option at 10, which means you could say, all right, at any point, no matter how high this stock goes, I have a contract with the holder of these stocks that I can buy that that stock at 10. Yes. So it could go up to 20 and you still have the contract in place to buy it at 10. So you basically now own an asset uh, of worth $20 that costs you 10 to buy. And one of the caveats to make here, which Colin made to me earlier, is that you have to pay basically a premium, which is rent. You have to rent the ability to buy at that price. Right. So whenever you decide to action that that option uh, until then you have to keep paying a premium to this person. Yeah, so, it's like a life insurance policy almost. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Like, especially like for these paying stocks. For a payout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're paying for a payout eventually, yeah. you yeah. know? So basically what happened is as the stock started to gain steam, people executed their call options. Well, basically the, it, there might've been just like a simple tipping point yeah. as you follow the stock. It might've been like, Oh, it went above sixty dollars. I'm buying it, and when and then when they bought it, that moved it even further because the demand was decreased. Or sorry, the, the supply was- the supply was decreased and the demand was increased. So people saw momentum behind it. And as you watch these things, like if you're actually watching stocks throughout the day, you see buy sell spreads. Like the the software is really sophisticated. So you're starting to see things move and you see momentum and you go, okay, I want to buy that now. Well, you can't buy it because the people that owned it have to sell it to these contract holders. So it keeps moving away from you and away from you and away from you. And it it limits supply a ton, right? Because those people that hold it are – 
and that have to sell or are willing to sell are selling it to these people that have already bought it at a, bought it quotations at a lower price, yeah. right? So what what can really drastically move stocks is this whole notion where I really want it because the price is moving up, but it's there's nothing available because the first people in are the the call the call option holders, right? And they're gonna they're gonna buy it um, most likely because they they don't want to probably pay the premiums anymore, and they see those that momentum behind the stock as well. Like there are, there's definitely software out there where they can see buy orders coming in, and they're like, okay, this is gonna keep continuing yeah, to rise. Let's right? get involved. Yeah, big yeah. time. So basically, and it's and it's interesting because this is the flip coin. This is the flip side of the coin of the dip we saw in the market where. This went way up because a bunch of people executed their call options. So yeah. basically they executed the ability to, to buy it at a, buy cheaper. At a cheaper yeah. price than it actually was. That limited supply and that made – well, a bunch of people are investing now. So that made other people think I should invest. Yeah. Now. Well, people people are probably also hypersensitive to the stock because yeah. they saw it like just jiggling around the last couple of weeks. And right? I think it drove so many real yeah. new retail investors. Like 100%. I, I, I remember something like – and this might be a wrong statistic, but like in that week where the GME stock really popped off, it was like Robin Hood – got a million new uh, users and so like also i believe there's that. a bunch of people who came into the market with this stock particularly in mind yeah and yeah, so yeah. you know and they saw a lot it go, of they saw it popping FOMO. off again yeah yeah and like there's also this whole thing with like dodge there's just all these like assets right now that people think well i can make a quick buck off of and i think like you know neither me or colin or you know can give any real financial advice oh we so can't we most <laughs> we, definitely can't we cannot do we can't. that so <laughs> i would to be whatever we say is our very personal opinions yeah. <laughs> and don't take this as suggestions at all well i think but i think it's another bad yeah, stock I, yeah. I think again like you know these i just think like I'm not a. When well, was the last time you bought a fucking uh, video game from a, a physical store? Never. <laughs> it's There's literally so PS5s coming yes. out where you can't put a CD yeah, in. Yeah, it's see a GameStop. I, like, like we're, the, the we're, fact that Rory Kinnison came in and said, "I believe in this stock." What are you talking about? Yeah, that's, what do you? You're that's, insane. This is the thing. He had to say that because otherwise he would have gotten hit yeah, with market of course, manipulation. Of course, so 100%. it was in his interest to say that. But there's no real reason this stock should be believed in. And I, like, I'm not a big defender of stocks. I don't give a shit. I'm not invested in any stock. I, I, Colin is, but I am virtually not at all. So I'm just ETFs. Yeah. To be clear. So you know, the the thing for me is just like I I think it's a you know even this pop off, even though it grew, it's still a sign of uh, like just not. Bad behavioral patterns. Well, right? yeah, it's like, like it's, people. There's the psychology is so evident. Exactly, all this. but like bad, bad. I don't know what the term would be, but like bad psychological investments, right? Like the reverse of what you would want to do. And I yeah. think you know, you if you invest in something, it should be because either you believe in it or because you're in it for the long term. And if you're in it for these short terms, you're probably gonna lose. Because the people you're competing against are just have so much more information. Like more just the information gap. Yeah, is yeah. Huge. it's 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 really like it's almost 
it's almost a lottery for yeah. retail investors to get in before uh, someone way more sophisticated with you know whatever services they're paying for can and understand. You can, they, you can yeah. just time you out. Yeah. Literally, like you know, there's that whole book. Uh, well, there's called they're, like they're, Fast Money, the Michael Lewis yeah, book. Yeah, where yeah, like yeah. they literally can beat your trade. Like if your trade gets put in, they can beat it because their server is closer. So like, I would just say you know I don't think this spike is actually like uh, going to be persistent. And in fact, a single day of trading you know showed that right. It dipped from 145 to a hundred and something. So that's like almost a 33% dip in a single day. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. think this is necessarily anything of worth for this stock going up, but it is interesting because I do think in the larger context of this podcast, we'll talk a lot about retail investors because they're going to shape the news of the day. Oh, a hundred percent because well, they're 25% of the total outstanding volume of us traded shares. Yeah. So like they have the, a quarter of the seat of the table, right? Like we're we're not talking about peanuts anymore. Yeah. Before, when it was just you know you had to have a broker, you had to have Jordan Belfort selling you. And you stocks. had to pay ten dollars yeah. for a trade. You're yeah. gonna be so much more conservative now. Now you have all these services where like you're a fucking player. Yeah. Maybe in aggregate you're a player, but uh, you know, on an individual basis you're not. However, in, if if things move the, in the way that they did for GameStop. Then there's staying power behind these things. The the real issue and the I think the real reason like regulators have really wanted to dig in, aside from like potentially the market manipulation of Citadel and, and Robinhood is like what benefit is there from these pump and dump things? Yeah. Right? Like what are the tr- what what Roaring Kitty, for instance. You you were like you, you made the point like he could not have lied yeah. that he thought it was a great stock. Because he would have been a market manipulator. <laughs> he really would have been because yeah. he probably bought it at super cheap and he probably sold Got it. Got in at 16 yeah. and it went up to like 500. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's an exact fact, but it was either in the high 400s or the low like, 500s. Like, and he's think. a guy out there espousing buy, 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 yeah. like buy the stock. Oh, I wonder why. Like, And and this is like a – I literally cannot buy single share stocks by the way. Yeah. So like – For his job. Yeah, my job like my compliance compliance (laughs) is literally so strict. Like I have to buy ETFs. There's no single stocks that I can buy. And I don't own a single stock. Yeah, he's a fajol. I I literally sit here with him doing this and I don't own a single stock, which I might change at some point. But I will let you know if I do. Well, if he does, it'll be like Apple and Microsoft because they're they're just. If you're gonna invest long term, yeah. like invest in that's the, the only investing I would do is like long-term invest in investing. the companies that were used to be the GEs of America. Yeah. All right, I think this is a good place to yeah, leave yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, it remember, not- remember to subscribe to listen to us on stereo. We're look, trying to make this a big deal. Look out for us on every YouTube, Friday. Too. Drinking out with the markets. Uh, we're your about, friends drinking about <laughs> drinking about the markets. Clearly, we're, we we've done a decent amount of drinking. How you doing? Um, Cheers, me brother. Anyways, we love you all. Take it easy.